Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. In this book is permission to, to, to live as beloved. Actually, I, I, I was thinking of Missy a few weeks ago. Uh, we were talking and you said this, you said you've read it. I'm, I'm, going, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but you said you read it and there were a lot you didn't understand, but you kept hearing this over and over and over. The bride kept making excuses, but the bridegroom kept saying, you're beloved and I love you. Yeah. And that's the premise. <laughs> and if we could get that we are fully loved by God, I think it would change absolutely everything. See, see here's, here's the deal. We've said this through this series that... That I, I don't doubt that you all love God. Like, I'm, like, like we, 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 we have, we're, we're, not, we're not a seeker-friendly church. We don't have a lot of programs. We don't have a lot of bells and whistles. But we're seeker-friendly in the sense that we just want the presence of the Lord. And, and so, like, I know you guys love the Lord if you're here. I don't, I don't doubt that one bit. But I sometimes have wrestled with as a pastor and I can see people's eyes or when I counsel or when I talk or when I get text, even when I look at some of y'all's Facebook messages or Facebook posts, like I, I, I doubt that sometimes we really believe that we're loved by God. We think John three sixteen says something along the lines of, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that everyone else who believes in him shall not perish. And shall inherit eternal life. Like we think it's for everyone else, but not for us. Now, what would it look like if we could become a people that's so convinced that we're wildly loved by God that we never ever get talked out of it? See, this is what this is what we're believing for. Like, like I, I don't care. I say that. Like, I don't care if we don't have all the bells and whistles as a church. What I care about is that our people become convinced of that truth. And what I care about is what Taylor prayed about, that our kids, when they grow up, they are so fully convinced of it that they never get talked out of their faith, right? Like, like I, I, I never, like, I want to get to the point where we never have to pray for a prodigal again because that language is foreign to us. And then I also want to get to the point where we never have to pray for an elder brother, right? Luke 15, the elder brother is the one who's like, was upset that his brother came back and, and, and was upset that the father threw a party. And he's like, I've been with you my whole life. I've done everything you've ever asked me to do. And you've never so much as given me a goat, right? And, and that's what the text says. And what he was saying is, 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 is I've been with you. I've followed all the rules. I've done all the right things. Why not me? And the father goes, but you've always been with me and all that I have is yours. He had the keys to the kingdom and he never even realized that. My prayer would be that we're raising up kids and teenagers that never live not knowing what's available to them. I'm really like, I, I'm, I am, I'm speaking my heart for this church. I'm speaking my heart for the city. Like the Lord is, it's just crazy what he's doing behind the scenes. And so, so we, we look at this text, we're looking at this text and, and really it's the first time the Lord's ever said, preach through an entire book of the Bible. Because I'm like all over when I read, I mean, I used, I say I used, I, I typically read large, large chunks for, for hours at a time and I'll read two or three books a day or whatever. And for the last eight weeks, 
I have only been able to read, I've been able to read two things. Song of Songs approximately three times a day for the last eight weeks. And every day the Lord has allowed me to read one chapter in Romans. I don't know why Romans, but I've just had a grace to do that. And what I have found, me personally, is that as I've been doing this, that the Lord, as I sit with the Lord, as I sit with the Lord, like, sit with the Lord, like he's bringing other passages to mind that I haven't read in at least eight weeks that I didn't even realize I knew that he's connecting the dots. And so what I want to say this morning is I pray the Lord just almost, I pray he sweeps you off your feet. And I pray that when we walk away from this, this isn't just something that we did for 12, 13 weeks. <laughs> it could be longer. But this is something that just becomes part of who you are as a follower of Jesus. All right? All right. So, so the most important thing that we can be convinced of is that we're beloved. Look, look at Song of Songs chapter 2, starting with verse 10. Song of Songs 2, verse 10. This is the Shulamite, the bride speaking. And again, we, we can look at this because Jesus said that all the scriptures point to him. So everything that's ever been written in here points to Christ Jesus. And, and he says that. He says that in John chapter 5. And so, so I just wanted to throw that out there as we read this. But Song of Songs 2.10 says, My beloved responded to me and said, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers have already appeared in the land, and the time has arrived for pruning the vines. And the voice of the turtle dove has been heard in our land. Now, I'm going to look at this almost verse by verse this morning. But he says, Arise, I'm sorry, my beloved responded to me and said, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. The call has always been to come along. And the process or the season that we are entering into as a church is to come along. See, this is the call. And and, and again, this is, I've said this before. The reason why I believe that every revival has ever ended is because of one of two things. That the revelation that the Lord gave people, uh, uh, that they gave man, that they thought this is the one thing the Lord's always going to do. And so they set up a camp right there. And, and, but the Lord and his goodness is like, there's more. And so the Lord starts doing a new thing. But the new thing the Lord's doing, the ones that used to have the new thing, can't step into the new thing because they think that the new thing that they once had is the only thing he ever wants to do. So like, that's one of the reasons why. So, so. And, and again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making a statement for either way. I, I'm, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying that we have to be able to come along with him. It's always a process, all right? It's always, if, if, it's a road, if faith is a road, the road never ends. Okay, so, so that's the one reason why it never sustains. The other reason is because we fail to pass it on to the next generation. We think we need to hide our kids in the back room and put veggie tails up on the screen. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we put our kids in the back room, throw veggie tails on the screen, and, and then we get upset when they get scared by the presence of the Lord when we become adults. And they want nothing to do with our faith. Well, our faith never became their faith. All right. 
All right. So, so the Lord says, come along with me. What God is doing here is he's saying, would you come along with me for a journey? All right. Would you get up? Would you come along with me? We, we do, we, we respond like this. We're right here and the Lord's over here. And the Lord says, come along with me. And we're like, what? <laughs> I'm good. Like we get selective hearing, right? Or, or, or like, I can't, I can't hardly hear at all. And April say something to me and I'm like, just in my own little world. And she looks at me, she goes, you didn't hear a, sink, you didn't hear a word I said, did you? I'm like, nope, <laughs> sure didn't. And so she has to repeat it. And the other thing that happens is, is we think, well, the Lord may be over here and the Lord's wanting to go that direction. And we're like, well, it looks awful nice over here. And we're all flighty and flaky. And then the Lord's like, would you come along with me? And you're like, but I want to go this way. And the Lord's saying, no, I want to go this way. See, the Lord's inviting us to come along with him. And I love this. He doesn't say, the, word, the phrase come along means to come along with. It doesn't mean that he's grabbing us by the hand and dragging us. It doesn't mean that he's got us in like a little cart pushing us forward. It says, come along with me and walk hand in hand and walk side by side with me. And this is the invitation that he's inviting us into. And, and I just absolutely love it. Now, I also love this. He says, come along with me, my darling. Now, what the Lord is inviting us into, I want to tell you this. That it is the most dangerous place you could ever go. And it's also the safest place that you could ever go. It's dangerous if you want to have self-preservation. It's dangerous if you want to maintain an image. But it's safe because he's asking you to come along with him. Hmm. It's safe. Some of us. Some of us, we're, we're right here. And I saw this this morning as I was praying, like I could see. I could see people right on the line and the Lord saying, come along, come along, come along. And we're like, but it scares the living daylights out of me because I don't know what it's going to cost. I don't know what it's going to take. Or we're fully aware of what it costs and we're fully aware of what it takes. <laughs> but we're like, I'm not sure I want to give that up. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. And it's, it is safe. Like the Lord is, <laughs> the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe, is what Proverbs says. And so he's a safe place. And if he's not a safe place, then it would make sense not to embrace him when he calls. Because, I mean, it would be like this. Like how cruel would it be if you said, if you tell your kid, come here, and your kid comes here, and when your kid comes here, you go, boom, and you thump him. It would be cruel and vindictive. It may be funny too, but, but, but no, I'm kidding. It wouldn't be funny. But, but you understand, it would be cruel and vindictive. And so when the Lord says, come, the process that we talked about last week of spinning, it may be painful, but it's safe because he's good. Yes. All right? So I want you to keep that in mind. Now, why is it safe? Well, verse 11 says, he says, come with me, come along. And why? He says, for behold, the winter is past and the rain is over and gone. Winter is over and the rain is gone. Now, in this context, 
where it was, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a, a, a northern Ohio. It wasn't like a Michigan winter, right? It wasn't like where you look outside and like you open your door and there's just a wall of snow. That's not what winter was here in this part of the world. Winter here in this part of the world was wet and gloomy and, and almost like depressing. You know, like, like we went through, like now we're like, Lord, please send the rain here in this part of the state. But earlier in the spring, it was like that's all it did was rain, right? And I, like, I, per, I struggle with it when it rains and rains and rains. I can't stand it. April struggles with it. And, 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 and so, so it's like, oh, it's so gloomy, it's so gloomy, it's so gloomy, it's so gloomy. And we almost take on that mindset. And he says that season of rain is over. That season of gloom is over. That season of hopelessness is over. And, and I, like, I actually think that's a prophetic word for some of you in this church is that some of you have been stressed out and been hopeless over dire situations in your life. And the Lord is saying that season's coming to an end. And so, and so he's saying winter is over. The rain is gone. It's safe to come out again. See, what happens is, is that when we don't think it's safe, we hide. And when we hide, we don't experience what he wants for us. And some of us that live our lives in open sight, but also in hiding, never taking steps of faith, never taking chances, never believing that he actually upholds everything by the word of his power, uh, never believing that he sustains all things, that he's in all things, that he does all these things. Like we, 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 we live scared to death. We live, I say scared to death. We may look like we're right big and full of faith, but inside we're anemic and small. And he's saying winter's over. <laughs> and so I say this, that if, if we as a church or you as an individual is going to step into the, the Lord's calling you, you're going to have to believe winter really is over. <laughs> you're going to have to believe that he's actually safe and good. You're going to have to believe that you're beloved. Like, you're going to have to believe that, like Isaiah says, that, that, that as a, a, when, when someone comes into faith, and, and actually I, I think it's more of a picture when someone comes into faith or when someone just believes him, that he rejoices and he spins around like a bridegroom rejoicing over his bride. He's like, praise, he's like, praise God. Or actually, God doesn't say praise God, but he's like, he's like, I can't believe it. 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 He gets so overwhelmed when we end up believing him. And so I want to say this, that if we could believe that winter is actually over, what could God do in us and through us? But my situations don't appear that way. Right? I have more bills coming in than I have money coming in. Or, or I have more issues with my kids than I seem to have breakthroughs with my kids. Or I went to the doctor and I was believing in faith that I was going to get a good diagnosis. But instead he gave me a worse one than he thought I was going to get in the first place. It's in those situations where we have to say, I know this is what I see. But I'm going to believe and declare and decree that winter is over. And even though we say it this morning and at some point in time we got to quit singing it and some point in time we got to start believing it so here's what's scary can I tell you what's scary I'm going to (laughs) it's rhetorical (laughs) 
The Lord desires to see us, but he wants to see the real us. Look at verse 14. I'm going to skip ahead a few. He says, Oh, my dove. Oh, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the secret place of the steep pathway. Let me see your form. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your form is lovely. He's inviting us into a lifestyle of living in the secret place. He's inviting us into a lifestyle of prayer. He's inviting us into a lifestyle of communion with the Lord. Because again, like, I I, I want to redeem what I actually believe prayer is. Prayer isn't, right. it is, but it's not just writing a great big list. And be like, I'm going to pray for an hour today. And then you go through your list in 10 minutes and be like, what do I do now the next 50 minutes? Okay. Prayer is communion with the Lord. That's why Paul says pray without ceasing. It's all day long I'm communing with the Lord. All day long I'm talking to the Lord. I think some of us need to just have the, some of us need to receive the permission. It's okay to sit with the Lord and not say anything at all. It's okay to sit in silence. All right. So he's inviting us into this lifestyle, the secret place. And, and it always, this invitation is always given, especially, I say especially, it's always given, but I believe it's given more intentionally or intently from the Lord when we're entering into seasons of transition and change. Why? Well, because he kind of gives you the blueprints of what you need to do. Now, he says, oh, my dove in the clefts of the rock. Now, I say this because, again, he wants to see the real you. Now, he says, oh, my dove. Dove is short for beloved. Dove is actually a pet name that that the bridegroom is using right here. It's like when she calls me Dud, (laughs) D-U-D-D. I like it. I don't care if you all think it's silly or not. I like it when she calls me that name. And it it just does something. But anyway, the bridegroom says, my dove, my beloved Dove, it means, it's a symbol for love. In the clefts of the rock, in the hiding place, in the secret place. What we do right here is of the utmost importance. But what we do when we're alone and no one's around except for the Lord, that's of the utmost importance as well. And so, I actually think this expression here, of a relationship with God, this is where Ephesians says that this is where you get equipped to do the works of ministry. But this is where we celebrate what the Lord has done all week. And like the fire that the Lord did for Bob this week, it combines with what the Lord did with Tatum this week. And it, or maybe I had a rough week and, and it's hard for me to celebrate, but then I see the kids up here dancing and in the presence of the Lord and it lifts me up just a little bit. You understand? So, so what this is really important, but I do not want this to be a church where this is the only time you hear from the Lord because I actually believe you all can hear from the Lord every single day if you get alone with him. How long do I need to get alone with him? I don't know. However long it takes. 
but be aware of him all day long. And he's inviting us into that. But it's going to require, the reason why so many struggle with prayer and the reason why so many struggle getting alone with God is because it takes vulnerability. I don't say this out of condemnation. I say this out of personal experience. Like sometimes it's hard to pray because it's like, have any of you prayed and been like, like, I'm just going to, like, I, I, there's been times where I'm like, Lord, I want to pray for our church. I want to pray you send revival. Ah, you know? And the Lord goes, you've been struggling with anger this week. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm not talking about anger today. I'm talking about revival. Right. Nothing. I want to talk about that anger you have in your heart, son. Right? Like, we don't like that. <laughs> when you go into that place, you have to allow him to be the one that leads the dance. <laughs> and some of us type A person, we got a lot of type A personalities in this church. Some of us type A people struggle not being the one in charge. <laughs> and it transitions over to your prayer life. And what would it look like if he just led? We just follow. But again, it's this place of vulnerability, and, and I want to, let me take a drink. He says, oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, and the secret place of the steep pathway, he says, let me see your form. <laughs> form is your appearance and your shape, is what it means. It means to be fully exposed. Now, don't, don't read this perversely when I say this, or don't read into this perversely, but it means to be naked and exposed before the Lord. And I'm not saying go do that. I'm saying that it's a, it's a heart posture. And the Lord thinks that the... Sometimes we cover up and we hide who we are. But you're not buffaloing the Lord. You're not pulling one over on the Lord. I said buffalo, and you're right. You're not pulling one over on him. He sees right through it. So why not drop the charades and drop the mask and just get real with him? See, when, when he, he wishes that we would be fully exposed, barren before him, and he wants nothing between us and nothing between him. He, he just wants no barriers. That is why, and that's actually been his intention from the get-go. And I'm going to make sure this is what practically looks like in a second. But if you will, look at Genesis chapter 3, or I can just read it. But Genesis 3.8 says this. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? By the way, I think it was a rhetorical question. Again, the Lord knows where we are. And he said, this is the man, Adam speaking. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And the Lord said, who told you you were naked? Now, a few verses later, the Lord actually takes animal skins and covers them with it. Like, I, I think this is actually one of the dumbest things in the world, by the way, in this text. Because they were naked and they covered themselves up <laughs> with fig leaves. 
And the Lord's like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just think it's just really, really dumb because the Lord said, if you eat of this tree or you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will surely die. And they're concerned about being naked. <laughs> it's like, I'm, you're going to die, but I'm naked. It's just, it's just silly, but we do the exact same thing. You see, the Lord wants to invite you into this place where you fully expose yourself to him, where you, where, where you hide nothing. Look, Jesus doesn't need you to pray in your best King James when you're alone with him. Je Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. Oh, God, thou has been the best of today, and I just bless thee with all of thy heart. Or, I don't even, I can't even speak King James, but you understand what I'm saying. Or some of us, we talk, some of us are voicing our cadence changes with the Lord. Oh God, you have been so good to me today and I just thank you for your goodness and kindness towards us. I would pray that you help me to have a blessed day and I would pray that you give me enough grace to get through this day, God. And, and I just thank you because you are holy. There is no one like you. And while that is the truth, it just sounds fake. What would it look like if you got before God and said, God, I love you and I thank you. You have sustained me. You have created me. i got a lot going on today, God. You're very well aware of it because you know all things. And before, before I was even a thought to my mom or dad's uh, mind, you knew me. And so I would ask that you give me guidance and clarity on how I get through this situation today. Like you, you Or like this. If you've had a terrible day at work and you go home and you go to go pray, like, like, and, and let me phrase it like this. Maybe you were a complete and utter jerk all day long and you go home and you take it out on your spouse and your children and then you go to pray before you go to bed at night and you're like, God, I thank you because today was amazing. If it was amazing, we probably wouldn't have acted the way that we did. What if we start to say, God, I responded in ways that was not like you today. I really need you to shape my heart. What I really want to ask you to do, God, is get those people today. But really what I'm learning is you need to get me. And so would you change me? You see, the, I think the Lord can do a lot with that. The Lord can do a lot if you're honest with him. And it's just like this. Like we've made jokes about this. Like in the church, you ask someone how, how they're doing. I think people's programmed to say one of two things. Great. I'm tired. That's what, like seriously, if I, if I went and asked everyone before church today, you would have said a combination of I'm great, I'm fine, I'm blessed, I'm highly favored, or I'm really tired. That's what we always say. And like, while those things are true, probably, they're not true in the sense that it's not really what's been going on. And the Lord would like us to live fully exposed before him. Now, it's not just how you feel. When you live fully exposed, it allows the Lord to see your flaws. And I promise you, he's going to go after those flaws. But if he goes after those flaws, it's not to guilt trip you and make you feel guilty. He goes after those flaws because he wants to perfect you and he wants to conform you into the image of his son. 
Or so he's like, oh, there's a blemish. And my son's coming back for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Let me take care of that blemish. And it's up to you with what you do with that. And, and, and I just, I just want to really, like, I, I don't think I can overstate the importance of this. We need to get real before him. We need to be open before him. You need to be submissive before him. There's a word our culture doesn't like, but we need to be submissive before the Lord. And you're like, well, I don't know if I can be that vulnerable and open before the Lord. He took animal skins and covered Adam and Eve so that they would feel like they could be before him again. But what he did in the new covenant is he took his son and he shed his son's blood so that we're washed and cleansed by the blood. And so that even when he looks at me, he may see those imperfections, but he doesn't judge those imperfections. He, he, well, he, 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 he takes them and he says, I want to change that. I want to fix that. I want to shape and potter you. And so we can enter into the Holy of Holies because of this. Like, turn off, turn off the filters when you're with him. Turn off, like in an Instagram, Facebook world, turn off the filters and show your real self to the Lord. It's like, that's why, that's why when Moses, it's when Moses, when Moses was talking to the Lord, it said that in the days of old that some prophets they, 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 they heard God. But then it says, but Moses spoke to the Lord face to face, mouth to mouth. And it actually means face to face, mouth to mouth with no mask. Yeah. What would it look like if we took whatever, and I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm just saying we're going to be better for it. We're going to be so much better for it if we dropped the charades and the religious rhetoric. Yeah. I like I'm sure the Lord's impressed with how good you can pray. I'm sure the Lord's impressed with how many verses you can quote back to him. I'm sure he's impressed that we can name a bunch of Christian pithy sayings where the Lord, where you guide, you provide. Like, I'm sure he's really impressed with that. But where I'm really sure he's impressed with is where we get before him and say, if you don't show up, I'm just going to be a train wreck. If you don't speak to me, I don't have a clue what I'm going to do. It, I, I, I am just yours. I'm yours. I'm fully convinced that you love me. And so I'm going to be open and honest to you and with you. And so I'm just going to trust you. I don't understand what tomorrow is or what it has, but I have you and that's good enough for me. Really, Jesus, help. And we need to believe his feelings more than our feelings in those moments. <laughs> That's the only way you're going to make it. Because he, he, it's like he says, I want to see your form. And he says, your form is lovely. Your voice is sweet. So it's like the bride needed convinced of her beauty to him. And when he says your voice is sweet, it means that your voice is pleasant 
that it's enjoyable to hear. It, it means that it actually means the, it means the word sleep, which actually our voice brings the Lord rest, which sounds crazy. Your voice brings rest to the Lord. He doesn't need rest. He never sleeps nor slumbers. I, I understand, but that's just what this word says. Your form is lovely. It means that you're beautiful. It means that you're delightful. It means that you're suitable. It's like when, when, when our kids grow up and those that have had kids that have gotten married, like you want a suitable partner for them. And the Lord says, you're suitable. You're a suitable partner for my son. You're a suitable spouse. He approves. And, and so there's that reassurance that when you go and get alone with him, that he really wants you to be alone with him. There's that assurance that he's not going to be like, I, I'm not like, I'm entering into this place to pray and he's not going to strike me down dead. He's actually going to be like, all right, now you're here. Now we can do some work. Is this making sense? Because y'all is quiet today. I actually think we're probably quiet because being vulnerable in our culture is one of the most difficult things to do. <laughs> it is. It is true. When a leader shows weakness, <laughs> when a leader shows weakness, people want to crucify him. When a leader says, I made a mistake or made a mistake, they no longer want to admit they made a mistake. They twist the truth around to where it looks like they were okay. When we, and we joke about this, when we take pictures of ourselves, we hold it up high because if you do it low, you're going to get all the extra chins, right? And you hold it up high and you hold your lips and mouth the right way so that you look good enough. We, we present things in a manner in which they are not. Or maybe we do stuff like this too online. We had a no good, rotten, terrible day and we've argued with the kids. We've done all this. And then we get with someone and be like, take a picture. And you're like, you better smile. And you smile and you share those two seconds from that day and you present to the world that everything is perfect and okay. And we do the exact same thing with the Lord because we're scared to death to be seen as phonies. And I'm not saying we're phonies and I'm not, I'm not trying to be hard on us, right? I'm saying the Lord has something better for us if we could get past that. And I'm believing that like, this is what I'm believing. Like, what would it look like if we got so free of ourselves? Because that's what it is. If we got so free of ourselves that our kids were raised in an environment where they didn't have to fake it till they make it, right? Where they didn't have to worry about <coughs> what culture says is right or wrong. Where they didn't have to worry about anything other than being right before the Lord. All right. Now, the last part, it says this. The Lord wants us to catch foxes that get exposed. And that's what I meant when he said he puts his finger on something. 2.15 says this. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards. This is the bridegroom speaking. That are ruining the vineyards while the vineyards are in blossom. 
When you enter into a place of union with the Lord, the Lord begins to speak things and point out things in our life that need dealt with. And the only way that revival sustained and, and, and actually increases is as if we deal with the things that the Lord speaks in our life. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If in, in our prayer closet, if the Lord points out the flaws of other people more than he's pointing out the stuff going on in our own life, we're probably not hearing the right voice. All right? It's probably not the Lord. And so he says, let's catch these little foxes. What are little foxes? Well, if it was a big fox, it would stick out like a sore thumb, right? And it's like if I'm addicted to something, that sticks out. I need to deal with that. But oftentimes it's, hey, you were kind of hard on that person when you had a conversation with them. You, you were kind of mean when you shouldn't have been mean. Or you cut someone off in traffic today. Or, or you did this, that, or the other. It's oftentimes something really really little that the Lord says and I'm not trying to go on like a witch hunt to look for stuff but I'm just saying the Lord picks out these little things because little things end up becoming big things they end up knocking us off the trajectory that he has for our life <laughs> you know it's like I need to lose weight and I do really good but you know how I you know how I ruin a diet one compromise at a time one little Debbie at a time. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> All right, maybe two little Debbies smushed together to make one little Debbie <laughs> at a time. <laughs> it tastes better that way. It's science. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just, it's something little. It's something little. It's something little. It's something little. And, and we may not think it's a big deal, but the Lord wants to get in and take care of those little things. Because those little things actually run and they steal the fruit of our life. I don't want the Lord to steal our fruit. I want our fruit to be so abundant, like in Psalm 1, where people could go boom, 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 and start pulling the fruit off of our life. He's not asking you to go after the big foxes. I actually think that he comes in and takes care of those suckers himself. And I also love, he says, let's do it together. He's not asking you to do something on your own. He's asking you to do it with him. Asking you to do it with him. So it's like, I, Lord, I, I don't know if I can do that. And he says, well, you can't. But you can with me. And then it becomes a joyous thing. Like I don't, and like this sounds weird. Because I don't like to be told that I'm wrong. <laughs> and I don't like finding out that I'm wrong. But when the Lord starts, when you enter into this place of union with the Lord. And the Lord starts revealing these foxes. Then it starts, like, I think you start to know you're on the right track when it starts to become joyous. It's like, oh, there's another one. <laughs> you're going to get that one too, Lord, right? You're going to get that one too. Oh, there goes another one. He's got that one. It becomes a joyous thing. Why is it joyous? Because he's making, more, making me more like him. 
Lord, I thank you because one of these days, those foxes are going to be extinct in my life. <laughs> I'm just, foxes, you're on notice. You're, you're an endangered species in my life. Because the Lord and me are coming after you. We're going we're gonna to go after you. We're going to get you by the tail. <laughs> we're actually going to do what Samson did. And he tied firebrands to a bunch of foxes' tails. And they set fire to the enemy. Like, we're going to have fun with that, right? I actually think that's a picture of what actually happens. <laughs> you start going after them. And it starts bringing freedom in other areas of your life that you had no idea that you needed freedom or breakthrough in. There's a whole lot today. <clears throat> you know what happens if we start getting vulnerable with the Lord? Is the entire community gets vulnerable with the Lord together. And then I don't have a problem saying, Bob, I've had a really hard day this week. I've had a really hard time this week. I need some help. And then I don't worry about you judging me or thinking less of me. Or think, well, you're the pastor, Michael. <laughs> well, you're a pastor too. But, you know, <laughs> you're the pastor. You're supposed to have all this stuff together. Or you're a board member. You're, you, you, you serve in the kids' ministry. You serve in a youth ministry. What if we could just drop the charades and actually live vulnerably together before the Lord? You know, it, it's, 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 it's what, what, what you're doing, what you're doing when you live open before the Lord, it's like, here's my heart, Lord. You, you're, you can take it, but I know and believe that you're going to take care of it and, and, and you're not going to break it. Contextually here, saying, here's my heart, man. I'm going to share it with you, and I know you're not going to do something to hurt me and wound me, and I know you're not going to hold it over my head. You're not going to use it as ammunition later on down the road. I'm not going to think less of you. That's what the Lord's calling this body into. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.